Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. But he he had a dream and he got a five and ten cent store. And for you younger people, you don't know what that is. But for people my age, we know what it is. Now you relate to something called 99 cent stores, right? Or a dollar store. But back in those days, it was five and 10 cent store. And so he was struggling, just him and his wife, trying to make this go, and he came up with this idea. He called it profit sharing. And so he gathered people together and told them if they will help him build this business, that one day when they retire, they could have money invested in their lives and they'd be set for life. Now, in the kingdom of God, it's called discipleship. In other words, re- reproduce what God wanted us to be. What Walton did, he got these people, and you've heard me tell this story many times. He told them, well, just stick with me. And so he put in some things in his business, like if you're not satisfied, you can bring it back. And on and on, he built these principles, and he said, we're going to give decent prices and a bargain to these people. And today, even though he's been gone for more than a decade or two decades, he lives on. Because he put in people the principle that made Walmart the biggest institution in the world at one time. All because he invested in people what he was and made them like him. In the kingdom of God, God gives you and I the answer for the kingdom of God. Jesus came And Jesus understood that when he came to be the Savior of the world. He found 12 men, didn't he? And he invested who he was and what he taught them was the truth of what the church would be or the kingdom would be. And he knew one thing and understood that one day he would be gone. And if this was continue, it had to continue because people came and reproduced what Jesus put in them. And one of the great attributes of Christ was he surrendered his own desires to fulfill the desires of his father who sent him here to die that you and I can have eternal life. He taught about it a lot in the Bible. He told his disciples, if you deny yourself, you, you will be more than you could have ever been by thinking of yourself, number one. Through history of the church world, we know men who've done this. They've invested in people, and because they invested in people, they're in eternity today, but their life lives on. I'm here because there was a pastor came to town. You've heard me tell this over and over again. We were a bunch of teenagers. The church world promised us the church when we got old. Now I'm old. I don't want to church. <clears throat> but this man invested in us. He took, took us 
took us to witness, showed how we can lead people to the Lord. And though he's alive today and he's in his later years of life, there are men and women around the world ministering tonight because he took time to invest in us. Everybody would like to say they found, or the, the, you were the founder of Teen Challenge. But none of us would want to go through what David Workerson went through. Country boy goes to this city. He don't know how to act or how they act. He don't know anything about them. But he's seen some people on a newscast, and when he's seen they were going to be put before a judge, and his heart was burdened for them to go and try to help these men. By doing that and making that decision, if you've ever read his life story or The Cross and the Switchblade or seen the movie, out of his life, the gangs begin to get saved. They reproduce themselves into other young men and women who had terrible lives of drugs and alcohol. And today, teen challenges around the world. They've taken men and women off the street, helped them to serve God all because one man, one man said, okay, I'll surrender. I'll deny myself that I might touch somebody else. I got a new title. They don't call me pastor. They call me the candy man. You have to be little to get it, though. I, I was thinking uh, this last week, if I could live my life over, and start out in ministry, what would I probably do more of and what would I do less of? I think I would do more of spending time with young people and investing in their lives so they could reproduce and so they could make an impact on this generation. I had a privilege of preaching for Mike Neville one day. And I was holding a revival for, for him and uh, his boy was about this big. His name was Jason. And I was talking to Jason about what he could become. And so I said to Mike, why don't you send him to one of my revivals and let him spend one week with me? And I was shocked. He said, okay, we will. Now, I'm not a babysitter. But this young man was interested in what God was doing. And for one week, I spent time with him every day. He went to the services with me. He's seen what we were doing. And just not long ago, maybe two, three years ago, I was at a conference, and he came up to me, and he said, because you invested in my life, I'm now pioneering the church. And now he's the senior pastor of his dad's church. And as a result of that, it's because, not because I'm anything, but I found time to invest in his life. Now, sometimes you have to deny yourself to do that for people. How many know that's true? I love, I love the story of Booth and the Salvation Army. But he had to go under the London Bridge. So next time you go to Lake Havasu and you look at that bridge and see the lake under it, at one time all it had was 
alcoholics and the worst of society was camping under that bridge. And a man named Booth, when God touched his heart, went down and invested, surrendered what he probably would rather be doing to invest in these people's lives. As a result, they got saved, many of them. They would go on the street corners and sing and preach, and out of that came the Salvation Army. And over the decades, the Salvation Army sent missionaries to America to evangelize us and around the world, all because one man took time to invest. Even though there was many drunks and many people under that bridge, prostitutes and all kinds of people, he invested in each one. See, you don't know what one, how it plays out. David Wilkerson did not know there was a Nikki Cruz and he touches his life. And yet, David Wilkerson in eternity, Booth in eternity, but the gospel's being preached even around the world tonight because people invested in people. That means there might be people that you can't identify with, and you might not feel comfortable around them, but it doesn't change the fact Jesus died for them. He said, if anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily. That word's in there. He didn't say just take up his cross. He said daily take it up. In other words, that means not our will be done, but his will be done through us. I want to give you all good news. If you, Jesus tarries long enough, you're going to die. And all this stuff you sweated for, paid price for, you're going to leave it. And all that's going to matter is are you going to live on when you're gone. Now, I'm not saying that you can have your head cut off and frozen and later put it back on the body and you'll live again. That's not what I'm talking about. But are we going to live on because we've touched people, made an investment in their lives, led them to Jesus Christ, took time with them, encouraged them, followed up on them, and made sure that you did all you could and I did all I could to help them to live for God. And when we're gone, they carry on. You know, I've been by the bed of many people who were dying. Not one of them says, oh, I hate to leave my easy chair or my truck. Not a one. But every one of them, and many of them said to me, oh, if I could live again, I'd do some things I didn't do. And some of the things I did do, I would not do. Because life looks different if you view it in eternity. Do you know Billy Graham could have been a billionaire? His personality, he was a salesman of all salesmen. He was one of the first salesmen with Fuller Brush. And you, you, uh, you pups, you don't know what Fuller Brush is. <laughs> but people used to go door to door and sell Fuller Brush. Brushes and all kinds of things. 
But you know what he decided? He gave his life to Christ and he decided he wanted to see people saved. And matter of fact, it was so important to him that in his crusades in his latter years, he had workers that would pray with every person. He would try to get churches to follow up on them, get them into church so they'd serve God because Billy Graham understood something. The only way his life could keep on here when he's in eternity is that he's put it in somebody else. Surrender. For whosoever shall save his life will lose it. But whosoever loses his life for my sake, the same shall find it, Jesus said. And so this evening we have opportunities, don't we? You, all, you ever watch that show where they get these old cars and rebuild them? We got some people in this building, I think they're into cars or trucks or they want to rebuild them. We got other people in this building who wants to rebuild themselves. Have you said people want to be skinny? Skinny people want to gain weight. Light people want to get darker. And darker people use powder to make them lighter. I mean, we're always re renegotiating who we are. When they get old, generally when a lady gets old, she tries to look young. And when they're teenagers, they want to look like their mother. We're always negotiating who we are, aren't we? But what's really important tonight, and I know I've been preaching a lot about this, but there's nothing more important than this. I've seen people get healed. I've seen great miracles. But that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is the souls of man. For Jesus said, I've come to save those that are lost. And my will is to do the will of my Father, and that is that he would down the cross where he's again on the third day that your sins and my sins be forgiven and that we could reproduce ourselves so people could go to heaven. How many's ever read about Thomas in the Bible, the disciple? How many's ever heard of that? Raise your hand if you did. You know where Thomas did? He walked from the Holy Land all the way to India to take the gospel to those people. Walked. Didn't ride, he walked. You know why he did that? It wasn't because he was trying to lose weight. He did it because he wanted the souls of mankind to have the gospel. That's why he did it. And when I was in India, they said, I want to take you up to this place. So they took me up on a hill and took me into this building, and they showed me a finger encased in glass. And I said to this guy, what's that? And he said, that's the finger of Thomas. And he, when he touched people, they get healed. So we kept his finger. In America, we just burn everybody up. We don't keep nothing. Ashes, ashes, dust to dust, cheap funeral and the rest for us. That's what we do in America. But here's some people, listen to this. They wanted to keep his finger. You know why? Because there's a man that walked all the way to India. 
they don't say anything about his preaching. They don't say anything about his great ministry. But they said his heart was for us. And we're going to keep something in remembrance of him. And what made the disciples great after Jesus left was that all of a sudden, what Jesus had put in them and what they'd seen Jesus do, they went about doing that, evangelizing the world with the gospel because nothing's more important than when a man or woman reproduces himself spiritually in somebody else. The man I was saved under sort of like Jeff Adams, he's wrote all kinds of books. And in the books, he, he featured four of us that had got saved as teenagers in the Methodist Church in the Clarksville, Indiana. So every time I call Pastor Murphy, I say to him, if it wasn't for you, I'd be nobody. And he'd say, no, it wasn't for me. Don't tell me that. But he came to preach for me in Oregon, and I bought him a nice desk set. And I had it engraved with these words, forever indebted. And I tell him every time I talk to him on the phone, if I've done anything for the gospel of Christ and God has used me, yes, Jesus did save me, but you invested in me. And you encouraged me when the church didn't. And told me God could use me. I remember my grandfather going to his house. And I told him, I said, Pop, we called him Pop, and her, my grandma, we called her Mom. I said, Pop, I want to be a preacher. But several people told me to get a job because they don't think preaching's a job. But anyway, just drop that in there, you know. That was free. And you know what he did? I was so discouraged. I didn't know what to do. I had an uncle that was over the insurance company, Franklin Life Insurance of California, that told my dad if he'd let him move, me move there, I could be a millionaire. He'd help me sell, and, and one day he could give me that company. But you know what my grandpa said? You do what you feel God wants you to do. Don't, don't worry about it. And I'm here preaching to you tonight because of people who invested in my life who spoke words to me when I felt like quitting. And I'm telling you tonight, I was thinking about eternity when I was thinking about this message, and I was thinking maybe I trust God that somewhere in all these years that we've been in ministry, we've touched somebody, that when I'm gone, they can believe like I believe for the vision God gave me. Surrender. Just a bunch of letters. Six letters. Some of them use more than once to make up that word. In themselves are just a letter. But when you put them together, it spells surrender, which is the most powerful thing in the world because when Jesus surrendered to his Father's will, men and women could be saved. When you and I surrender to his will, 
we can be productive. <coughs> Nothing's more powerful than the person in your chair that will ask God and anoint us, whoever we are, that we might touch a life. And not just touch them, but to invest in them. And not just invest in them, but to lead them to Christ. And not just to get them in a church, but to follow up on them and encourage them and help them to become what God has put them on planet Earth to be and teach them the most important thing in all the world that every sinner needs to be saved. We have the greatest opportunity of anything in the world because if they don't know Christ, they're a candidate. But we'll have to pray that prayer Jesus prayed. Not my will, not my desire, not my ambition, but yours be done. You've heard this preaching, if you get a crown in heaven, you'll just lay it at his feet because crowns are not important. You know, I think the, one of the greatest things that can happen when you get to heaven and get in is somebody coming up to you and say, you know what, because of you, I met Jesus Christ. Amen. Not say, you prayed for me and I got healed. No, but you know, you shared the gospel with me. I remember as a teenager kneeling down in the gutter with drunks and praying a sinner's prayer. If one of them, when I get to heaven, would come up to me and said, you don't remember me, I'm sure, but I was that one drunk at the gutter on 3rd and Jefferson in Louisville, Kentucky, and you led me in a sinner's prayer, and I'm here because you told me about Christ. That's the greatest reward I could have. <clears throat> and you know, we like the supernatural, and I love the supernatural. I traveled for years praying for supernatural. I, we ought to pray for supernatural, pray for healing, miracles all the time. But the greatest miracle is a man or woman who's lost in their sin, and somebody takes time to share Jesus with them, and they are born again, and they become a child of God. That's the greatest miracle that we could ever see. And you know, this building, I've preached this before, will not hold the crowd if each one of us would reproduce ourselves. I just said reproduce yourself. I didn't say bring 100, 500, but you personally reproduce yourself. To share the gospel with someone, lead them to Christ, take them to breakfast, lunch, spend time with them, bring them to church, and be an example to them, we would overfill this building. Not because we got a great worship team, not because we have a nice moment, but because somebody cared. Every time Nikki Cruz wakes up in the morning, he wakes up sane, he wakes up free because a country boy came to New York 
and told him Jesus loved him. The reason Billy Graham in heaven, if you could talk to him tonight, is because a preacher was preaching and gave an altar call, and he answered that altar call and gave his life to Christ, and he reproduced what had happened to him as he preached to the multitudes around the world. There was a man who came to America, and I've used this, but there's not a better illustration. And he heard that we were a godly nation, that we were a Christian nation. So he came to America to find God from Europe. He was here for six weeks, and he met a man, and he said these words to a man. I came to America because you have the reputation of being a Christian nation. I've been here for six weeks, but not no one, not one, told me about Jesus. If salvation is the most important thing, how many believe salvation is the most important thing? <clears throat> Nothing's more important, is it? If that's true, then each of us, not because I'm a preacher or you're, you're, you work a job, but each of us should be concerned to share the gospel. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm trying to challenge you that the greatest thing we can do for God is win souls. He that winneth souls, the Bible said, is wise. Not these kids. I mean, I watch this spelling thing, these kids, these spelling contests. They memorize a dictionary. But how many knows if they're not born again, they don't go to heaven? How many knows there's geniuses that's found cures for diseases? As a boy, they took and gave us medicine because polio was on the rampage. And the man found the cure or the pill or the, I think it was a little cube, but like a sugar cube we ate. And if you ate that, you wouldn't get polio. That's a phenomenal feat. But it's not as great as telling someone about Jesus. What would you do with your time if you didn't have a cell phone? You know, a, a rich woman, when she died in her will, they had to bury the dog with her. Are they going to bury the cell phone in our hands? Hey, Siri, I'm out of here. Now, that's quite an achievement. Every time I ask seriously, that makes my wife nervous. How does she answer that so fast? I don't know, but I'm glad she can answer it. We were coming home from Phoenix after I preached at Memorial, and the highway was blocked. And I said, hey, Siri, how do I get home? And she said, turn around and go one quarter of a mile. And turn here, and I did, and I turned there, and I got home. I don't know how she does it. And whoever invented it's great. But how many knows you can go to hell or heaven 
either with or without a cell phone. That's not the most important thing of life. The most important thing is that every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl needs Jesus. And the greatest privilege I have is not to stand here and preach, although it's a great privilege. But the greatest privilege I think I've got is I can share the gospel with someone and tell them about how Jesus can change their life and then I can lead them in a sinner's prayer. And in a blink of an eye, they go from being a sinner to a child of God. And they'll make heaven their home. And so surrender's a tough thing. How many knows that? But that's what we're called to do. Jesus said the words. I didn't say them. If we surrender ourselves daily to him and be obedient to him, our reward is not only going to be in heaven, but those whose lives we touch by the gospel or by Jesus' help and the Spirit of God's help, that make heaven their home too. Are you excited about the debates on TV? Are you excited about it's going to get near the election and your phone's going to ring 3,000 times a day asking you to vote for them? <laughs> well, I guess we really should be excited. I said we, that Jesus wants to use our lives. And though we fall short many times, and maybe we've failed many times, when we share the gospel, he's able to anoint our words that'll touch the eternal part of mankind. And they can accept Jesus as their Savior, and they can make heaven their home. I'd like to see this church full, but not of people who leave one church to come here. But I'd like to see it full of people who didn't know Jesus. And you and I shared with them, and they met Jesus as their Savior, and they come to this church. Isn't that true? I close with this scripture. He said, it's not my will that any perish but that all would come to repentance. It's hard to believe a man could come to America thinking that this is everybody's Christians here. And he came to have someone share with him how to be a Christian. And his testimony was, not one man told me how to be saved. I wouldn't want that to be the testimony of my life, would you? That we had an opportunity to share with somebody, somebody hurting, somebody needed help, and we didn't do it. Let's all ask God to help us to touch a life. Oh, we hear people, get a life. Well, they can't get a life. They don't know Jesus. They can have an existence, but they don't get a life. 
because you can't have a life without Christ in your life. I said to Pastor Murphy, I said, you know, Pastor Murphy, when I was in India and we had 40,000 a night, do you know that wouldn't have happened if you had no witness to me and shared with me how to be saved? I said, when I've prayed for people and I've seen blind people healed, that would have never happened, I tell him, if you hadn't shared with me. And I tell you, I am indebted, I'm indebted to him. I'm indebted to Christ. But I was raised in a church. I heard, knew who Christ was, but I didn't know I could know him until John Tal Murphy told me that I could be born again. I wonder, listen, I wonder as if you and I share with somebody how many people could be saved and they could preach or reproduce themselves. And every time they touch somebody and every time somebody's saved or something happens, it's because you invested in them. That'd be a pretty good investment to leave on the earth, wouldn't it? Because I want to tell you what, your furniture will get old. Your family will spend your money. Your cars will break down. And in one generation, they'll say, who was that? <clears throat> but if you touch people for Jesus, it'll live for eternity. What an opportunity we have. Let's fill this church, not with people that's mad somewhere else and decide to come here, but let's fill it with people that nobody want. Let's go out and get the people that societies give up on. Let's lead people to Jesus Christ and see them come here and begin to serve Jesus because you and I took time to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God Billy Graham's message was, you must be born again. Millions will be in heaven because of that message. I told you my friend, Tex Steeton's his name. He, he lives in Rayford, North Carolina, pastoring church today. For you pups, you don't know about this, but TVs used to have a thing. You had to change the channel on the TV. How many remember that? Some of these people, they, they, they thought remotes always been here. But Tex was drinking, and he had been drinking beer all night. And he get up to change his channel, and Graham's on there. And he's giving an altar call, and he said, don't touch that channel. He said, I jumped back. Now listen, he'd been drinking, drunk, everything, jumped back, and Billy Graham says, you need to pray with me. And Billy Graham prayed a prayer. Somebody didn't know that jumped back from a TV. He had no idea when he said, don't touch that channel. But he got saved. And though Billy Graham never met Tex, and Tex never personally talked to Billy Graham because Billy Graham told somebody on the TV how to get saved. They're going to make heaven their home. And Tex Deaton has been preaching the gospel ever since. And everybody that's got saved under his ministry is because a preacher said, don't touch that. 
That's the power of the gospel. You know what Jesus is doing? You know, our town's growing, right? You think maybe Jesus is bringing them in so they can be saved, some of them, so they can hear the gospel? And you know, some of them might not ever go to a church unless we touch them outside these doors. And if we'll do that, we'll have a great problem is somebody will beat you to your chair because you led them to Jesus Christ. And guess what? They're going to make heaven their home. Let's do that. Let's stand together. Let's bow our heads together. There's many people in this building tonight, you're born again because somebody shared with you. How many people in this building, somebody personally shared the gospel with you? Personally, okay? That's why you're here tonight. You're not here because a spaceship came from outer space. You're here because somebody took time to care about you, right? And care about me, right? So let's, let's reproduce that. Let's touch people and let's fill this building with people whose lives have been redeemed because people in this church did what Jesus called us to do when he said, take the gospel to all creatures and we'll see God move. Lord, bless us tonight. And Lord, you know how insecure that we feel sometimes when we share and how we've had people say they're not interested. But Lord, they spit on you and they killed you all because you came to give them eternal life. So help us. Help us to reach sinners in this city. Help us to fill this building with people who did not know you, but someone in this church took time to share Jesus with them, and they gave their life to Christ. Give us a revival of souls. Give us a revival of those that are lost, that meet you, and that, Lord, they'll make eternity their home. And, Lord, if we're going to leave anything on the earth, help us, Lord, to reproduce ourselves in someone else that'll carry on when we're gone about the love of God to a lost and dying nation, and we'll give you all the praise for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.